It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Michael, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Thank you, and thank you all for waiting on us to get started. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, we've had some technical difficulties this evening, and I, I, again, I very much appreciate you all hanging in there with us. Um, well, welcome, everyone. Thank you again, and to, this is May Wilkinson. I'm standing in for Mary Ann Russo, and with me tonight is Michael Barton, of the, who is the Director of Development at the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida. And the Epilepsy Foundation is an organization that serves as a source of expert opinion to the Epilepsy Foundation on matters related to the cause, diagnosis, and treatment of patients with epilepsy and related disorders. Um, Michael's joining us to discuss the latest programs, research, and support for families, and he's also going to be announcing the CHASE Challenge. Uh, Michael has nearly 20 years of experience in working with nonprofits. He's been all over the world, and uh, his passion is to increase awareness of epilepsy and seizure disorders, conditions that are much too frequently misunderstood or swept under the rug. Hi, Michael. Thank you very much for hanging in there with us. Oh, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about epilepsy and seizure disorders. Super. Well, let's start in with that. Um, first of all, what is the what is the prevalence of epilepsy? We, you and I talked, and we tend to um, sugarcoat epilepsy or use different words to or terminology to explain it. Can you so? Can you give us a little rundown on just um, the current stats in epilepsy, how it's diagnosed, and how prevalent it is? I'd be more than happy to do that. Um, epilepsy actually is a word that means um, 
that describes someone who has had two or more seizures at some point in their life. Um, epilepsy is extremely prevalent. Um, it is uh, more prevalent than one would uh, think given the amount of misunderstanding and often fear that is associated with it. It is actually the third most common neurological disorder in the U.S. after Alzheimer's and stroke. And, and unfortunately, I'd like to point out that um, epilepsy though in the majority of cases uh, really can be controlled, seizures really can be controlled in the majority of cases with proper treatment, it does take more lives than breast cancer every year. No um, kidding. But yet it, it does, and it's something that, uh, you know, that we don't talk about. In fact, about as many people have epilepsy as have uh, cerebral palsy, multiple sclerosis, and Parkinson's diseases combined. And these are um, all conditions that, uh, you know, for various reasons that, that we are aware of and that are on kind of the public radar, but yet epilepsy and seizures are something that, for historical reasons, people have avoided talking about, people have fears and misunderstandings about. And a lot of that is really related to the fact that, um, you know, unlike, uh, you know, um, some other conditions, cancer or, you know, some other um, very serious uh, health conditions, this is something that in many cases is actually visible. And it's something that... Um, uh, that people have uh, um, a, a problem of trying to, uh, to to deal with and to understand that it really is relatively common, yet it's something that, um, uh, you know, is, is extremely prevalent. So, so I think on your website you mentioned something about 300,000 people. Is that right? Or well, I work with the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida, and um, there's 375,000 uh, people with uh, epilepsy estimated um, in the state of Florida. Um, there are uh, probably in about one in 20, according to the uh, National Epilepsy Foundation, uh, children, about one in 20 children have some form of epilepsy. And I do want to point out that epilepsy really does have, um, we don't necessarily use the, the term spectrum, but there's a lot of um, variations in epilepsy and seizure disorders, meaning that there are certainly the grand mal seizures, which a lot of people uh, are familiar with, that is uh, where you lose complete um, muscle control, you lose complete control of your body, and you will um, fall down on the ground um, in what is considered to be, uh, you know, the general public's mind, a, a typical seizure. But there's a, a, a complete range. On the opposite side, we have what is called absent seizures, where uh, people will lose um, uh, the ability to to understand or interact with their surroundings. Um, they will, in a, in, in a sense, zone out, and this tends to be relatively common with children, um, where they'll be sitting in a classroom, for example, and for 15, 20 seconds, um, they're just not there. They're having a seizure. Um, they're not there. They won't remember what happened uh, during their seizure. And, um, you know, in many cases, they'll just come out of their seizure and uh, uh, be just as disoriented as, uh, you know, perhaps the teacher or their uh, fellow pupils are. Um, and this is it's an issue for the Epilepsy Foundation because this is often um, misdiagnosed as a ADHD disorder or in the case of seniors. And I would say that um, epilepsy is uh, most prominent in younger um, children and in older adults um, in senior citizens. And uh, the same situation applies for senior citizens that, uh, you know, that they'll start having seizures that may not look like what a typical person would think of as a seizure, but in effect, um, they're actually having seizures and these will go undiagnosed or misdiagnosed, uh, which is unfortunate because, as I said, um, in the majority of cases, uh, Seizures can be uh, controlled. We, we never talk about a cure for seizures, but in many cases with medication or proper treatment, seizures can be controlled. Well, how does uh, epilepsy become diagnosed, Michael? Well, there's many, there's many ways that, uh, um, that doctors will uh, look for um, certain signs with epilepsy, and as I said, across the spectrum, if we're talking about um, what are called the grand mal seizures, it's absolutely evident. If you have a, a person or a child that will fall on the ground and uh, uh, completely lose control of their body, that's evidently a seizure. 
but there are other since um there are other things that people need to look for uh especially parents um with children and as i said um epilepsy although it can strike at any point at any age in any person um and uh, you know and unless there's been traumatic brain injury or other known causes uh in the majority of time the the cause of the epilepsy is not known but there are um things that people really need to look for especially in younger children and that is um a sense like i was saying of of daydreaming of just a uh, kind of uh, zoning out or blacking out for uh, a period of time um unusual and repeated um uh, bodily um tickings or grabbing at clothes or that type of thing um rapid blinking head nodding unusual sleepiness um stomach pains repeated movements blank stares memory gaps all of these types of things are things that parents should be aware of now of course not in in not every single case where these things are happening um are we dealing with seizures um but it is something to look for and the one thing that we do try to get across is do look for patterns if there are patterns where um behavior is happening uh be it an involuntary body movement or um and i like as i like to say a zoning out um happens or uh you know a child um or a young adult not feeling completely in and of themselves and this is happening repeatedly that's something that that uh, should be discussed with a medical professional to find out if if indeed they are having seizures what about uh, one of our tweet uh chat um participants has asked about headaches can epilepsy um can headaches be a signal of of epilepsy headaches uh can be um a symptom headaches can also happen after um someone has a seizure now and and again with every single individual who has epilepsy and has seizures um they have different symptoms and this is why it's such a misunderstood disease and that's a condition I'm sorry and why it's something that you know it really needs individual care and why there's not one um you know uh, silver bullet treatment for it uh headaches could certainly be a symptom one of the things that we are always cautioning parents to look out for is something called sudap which is um, sudden unexplained death by epilepsy meaning that epilepsy and seizures can happen during a child's sleep uh and in most cases when a child is having these seizures and the parents are not aware of them they will wake up feeling tired they will wake up feeling um very disoriented they may be complaining that um they're having mouth or tongue pains um and you know there 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 could be very normal explanations for this but if this is something that is happening on a regular basis um again we're looking for patterns here where the brain um momentarily uh shuts down or misfunctions those are things that should be discussed with the medical professionals oh my goodness i i mean this so so my son was diagnosed with autism but that uh he just told me mom i'm afraid to go to sleep because i'm afraid i'm not going to wake up and the absence seizures i'm going to go and have him checked um so is is autism you know you talk about the repetitive movements and the tics is autism ever uh or is epilepsy ever misdiagnosed as autism? It's not necessarily a misdiagnosis, but a lot of um uh children especially, but also adults um that have another um disabling condition are often very um likely um or or have a higher likelihood of having epilepsy. Um I think the statistics show that in probably 10 to 30% of the um cases of uh, people with autism there will also be epilepsy present uh with cerebral palsy there's about 13% of um uh, of of those uh, cases where there will be seizures present and with down syndrome it's about 14% and even with um mental retardation uh the the figures from the epilepsy foundation show that probably about 30% of uh, people with mental retardation will have some kind of seizures and again i don't want to over alarm people um it is a fact that that uh, um a majority of people will have at least one seizure in their life and in fact um a lot of uh, 
uh, you know, the professionals will remind us that when we go to sleep and we have involuntary muscle movements or, you know, we jerk wildly in our sleep, um, you know, as we've all seen someone do, that in effect is is a type of seizure. It certainly is not epilepsy, but that's a type of seizure. Um, but what we're looking for, again, is a repeated and regular type of activity where the brain um, is, in effect, short-circuiting or um, being completely overstimulated. And if it becomes a pattern, that's where we start seeing epilepsy, and that's where we start uh, recommending that people talk to their medical profession uh, professionals to see what kind of treatments may be available. Because with the medication and other treatments that I could explain, um, in many, if not the majority of cases, uh, those seizures can be controlled. And it's important to say that the seizures themselves, we do always say for our first aid that seizures themselves are not necessarily um, deadly. They're certainly, you know, um, something that uh, everyone wants to avoid, and that's why we, we do have the treatment. Um, they can be deadly. Um, but our first aid um, general rule of thumb is if someone is having a seizure, please just make sure uh, that they are not in any danger of hurting themselves. Um, if they are having a seizure where they've lost complete muscle control of their body, that uh, that they are turned on their side, please never put anything into anyone's mouth. There is no danger of anyone ever swallowing their tongue. Um, and that is a common misconception, and more harm has been done by people putting spoons and other things into people's mouths uh, to avoid swallowing the tongue. Um, but th what we say is that unless unless they uh, have been having a seizure for five minutes or more, um, they, then you should call the, the uh, you know, 911. But in the if that's not the case, and if it's not as serious as that, then as quickly as possible, get in touch with a medical professional uh, and explain what has happened and discuss what kind of um, medication or other kinds of treatments are out there to prevent that from happening in the future. Um, the One of the, the, the major problems with epilepsy, and certainly seizures uh, can kill. Um, I am not going to sugarcoat that. Seizures uh, themselves can kill. Uh, but people that do have seizures and are prone to seizures are much more likely to hurt themselves, meaning um, taking a bath uh, becomes a very dangerous and deadly uh, proposition for someone that is prone to seizures. Um, drowning is 20% uh, um, more likely to happen with someone that has seizures than in the general population, just by the fact that uh, being in the water and having a seizure uh, will, uh, you know, can lead to drowning. Um, you know, and the, and the list goes on of, of activities that you just want to, you don't want to uh, stop life, but you do necessarily, you, you do want to try to control the seizures so that you can, you know, continue to have as many normal activities as you as you possibly can. Wow. All right. So stepping back just a little bit, let's say um, a parent suspects that their child may have epilepsy and they go to the doctor does the doctor automatically put them on some sort of an EEG, or ha or does the doctor just take their word for it? Um, you know, obviously a grand mal seizure would be fairly evident, um, you know, fair evidence of, of epilepsy, but what about someone who might see a lot of epsilon seizures or the zoning out or the daydreaming type seizures? How, what would a doctor recommend a parent do just to, just to see or to to um, confirm a parent's suspicion? It is the diagnostic testing, which is, which is one of the most important parts of, of putting together a proper um, treatment plan. Um, as I said, everyone's epilepsy is individual to, them, to, to that person. Um, there are no two situations that are alike, and by definition, it's um, a misfiring or an overexcitement of energy in a particular portion of the brain, or in some circumstances, the entire brain. Um, the EEG um, would normally be recommended to try to isolate the location of that um, um, activity in the brain to uh, allow the doctor to uh, prescribe the best treatment plan for, for that particular individual. Okay. I see. Uh, is there anything else that a is the EEG the diagnostic tool, or are there other things? 
There are others. Um, there is uh, um, new MRI testing that is being done, um, and there are uh, certainly uh, basic diagnostic tests um, that are that are used to determine whether or not epilepsy or seizures are being caused by not necessarily, um, uh, you know, 100% of, um, misfiring of electrons in the brain, but may be caused by some other health issue that the individual or the child is having. Um, seizures can be caused for a variety of facts, uh, I mean, for a variety of reasons, including having had a, a high fever, having had an unknown head injury, having had um, a prenatal um, um, mis misformation of a certain section of the brain, and all of those things need to be ruled out um, before starting on a, on a, a treatment of uh, anti-seizure or anti-epileptic medication. There are also other alternatives, um, one being um, surgery, brain surgery, in which uh, the affected portion of the brain uh, can be operated on or in some cases removed, um, thus uh, stopping the seizures, and with the advances in medication, even though it is uh, brain surgery is always a, a very serious issue, um, in many cases uh, that has become the the, the preferred uh, method of treatment uh, for some families and for some medical professionals, just uh, just for the reason that if it really does stop the seizures, it prevents um, the patient from having to take. Uh, medication, which often has side effects, um, mm -hmm. you know, for the rest of their lives. So it could, not only would it be cost-effective, but it would also, um, uh, you know, um, prevent the other side effects that medication has. There's also other um, treatments such as a vagus nerve stimulator, which is a, a small electronic advice, uh, device which is implanted next to the collarbone, which in effect um, stim stimulates the vagus nerve in such a way that that an, uh, that uh, a seizure won't happen. Um, a, a person who is having a seizure very often, and here we're talking about uh, not very young children, but in older children and adults, will have a, a sense that a seizure is coming on, an aura that uh, a seizure is about to happen. And in those cases, they can actually activate this electronic device um, by use of a magnet that they have on their wrist uh, to stimulate the nerve enough to to um, cut off that that uh, oncoming seizure, mm -hmm. and yeah. with the medications that are that are coming up, um, there very often um, is a cocktail that needs to happen, and it's one of the most frustrating things that um, there is not, as I said, one silver bullet with medication, meaning that it it can take a while for um, a patient and the medical professional to come up with the proper, not only dosage, but the proper combination of, of antiseptic drugs to actually control those seizures. Wow. Well, that sounds, we're used to that, Michael, with the um, some of the, the efforts that are being used on children with ADHD. It, it is it's so puzzling to try to find the right medication or the right combination without having all of those side effects. Now, another Twitter um, participant has asked a question, and she says, what if my child has infrequent seizures? Will an EEG catch it? Will they be able to find it if the seizures are infrequent? That is, and again, I must stress that I am not a medical professional, but that is one of the catch-22s of the diagnostic system that unless, um, and, and it's my understanding that unless uh, an actual seizure is taking place, you will not be able to see that seizure on the EEG, which means that you will not be able to um, actually um, diagnose and pinpoint where that seizure is coming from. Um, again, that would be a question that uh, mm -hmm. um, we could talk with with the medical professional. And at this point, I, I would like to throw in that um, the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida, as well as our national organization, has um, professionals that have been working with childhood epilepsy for years. Um, and in fact, um, our Florida affiliate uh, does have a national grant that they're working on um, 
which uh, is it's called Project Access, which the entire point is to improve access to uh, care for children and youth with epilepsy and to address actually some of these issues. A lot of our parents, you know, say that uh, they have been um, uh, familiar with, with, with the system. They... Uh, they they are working with their with their um, general practitioners and perhaps even neurologists, but the incredible complexity of working with various specialists, with working with various um, um, professionals who are doing the diagnostics, and with the complexity, as you were mentioning, of the various medications, that uh, that they get lost in the system. So what we're trying to do is to put together. Um, um, a whole system of care where we can help guide parents through the system of how to get the best care for their child. In fact, we've put together um, uh, a parent guidebook um, and a parent care guide uh, for for children, um, for parents of children that have epilepsy, which has uh, seizure logs and which has information on their medication and whatnot. And uh, if anyone is interested in that, they could certainly get in touch with the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida or go to our website, which is uh, Epilepsy, F-L-A for Florida, epilepsyfla.org. Um, and I will also say just one brief commercial interruption that mm-hmm. uh, we have a couple of hours left here. We've got about uh, two and a half hours left before the Chase Bank Community Giving Program is going to be finishing. Um, this is basically... Um, a voting contest on Facebook where charities from across the country have gone through a first round of voting. Um, We actually won $25,000 in that first round and now are in the running for up to half a million dollars for funds that are going to be used uh, for children and youth programs. And if anyone is interested in voting, and I would encourage everyone to do it, it's free. There's absolutely no obligation. It really does take about 30 seconds. Um, anyone who's interested in voting and helping us get that uh, uh, money that we can use towards youth and children's programs to go to our website, which, again, is epilepsyfla.org, and just click on the Vote Now button. Uh, it really does take about 30 seconds, and as I said, we have um, about two and a half hours left uh, to make sure that we're one of the top vote-getters so that we can get some of that money and continue to increase and improve our programs for children and youth. Yeah, Michael, will you give me, I'm, I'm busily typing right now. Will you give me that website again? It's www.what is your website? Epi- epilepsy. Epilepsy, okay. F-L-A. Mm-hmm. Dot org. Oh, piece of cake. And yep, and you'll see the large Vote Now button, and please just click on that large Vote Now button, which will take you to um, the Chase uh, Community Giving, which is their charity arm, um, voting page and mm-hmm. uh, click through uh, like them and, and click vote now for our foundation and um, your vote will be registered and hopefully that will push us over the edge so that we can get money to uh, continue our programming. Oh, I hope so. I, it, it just, it, I am absolutely stunned by how misunderstood epilepsy is and how much more common that it is when you add in all of the other types of seizures that are out there. Um, what is, does, does, do these seizures create damage in the brain, Michael, that will last for a long time, or, or is it something that um, just causes a momentary destruction and then you move on? The answer is yes and yes okay. <laughs> to both of those. Um, again, everyone uh, is it's an individual case. Um, there are some uh, people, uh, you know, there are some children, some adults, that uh, seizures will start. They'll be completely controlled by treatment. Um, and, uh, you know, in many cases, and that's what they're trying to work for, that uh, the person will, will never have an, uh, another seizure again. Fantastic. Um, you know, with the medical... Uh, with the advice of the medical professional, obviously you don't ever stop any kind of treatment without consulting your medical professional. Um, but there is a case where, you know, you can come off of uh, your um, anti-epileptic medication after a period of time and uh, and there won't be any more seizures. Um, it's also the case with children um, that children can develop seizures 
the the reason is completely unknown, and um, they will outgrow that. It do, it does happen. It doesn't happen in every case, um, but that certainly um, is a possibility. And again, I mentioned um, that epilepsy can also appear uh, in seniors, someone who's never had any history of seizures uh, that they've known of um, in 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 their uh, final years can develop seizures that um, very often go misdiagnosed and uh, are just taken as uh, signs of aging. And uh, it really is unfortunate because this person is actually suffering seizures that in many cases could be treated with medication that exists. Well, now, it, um, you have the most wonderful ability to take complicated scientific concepts and boil them down into layman's language without talking down to people, which is a rare gift, Michael. Uh, I think it would be very helpful for you to explain what happens to the brain during a seizure. As you said, there's there's some sort of a trigger where the brain becomes overstimulated or misfires, and, and then what is a seizure um, from from the brain, what happens? Well, I do want to um, just before getting into that, I do want to say that it's not necessarily an overstimulation of the brain. Okay. Um, especially when we're dealing with um, uh, you know uh, parents of children that may have epilepsy um, or may be prone to seizures. There's there's often a fear that they need to be protected or. Uh, you know, we often get the question, can I allow my child to go run around the yard and, you know, and do normal? Yes. You know, that is not in the vast majority of cases going to be a trigger. There are certain types of epilepsy, like I said, that uh, may be caused by uh, by visual stimulation. Um, and that's the, the one that we've heard about with video games or, or strobe lights or that type of thing. It's yeah. relatively rare. Um, it does exist. Um, and again, it just goes to show that every single case is different. But I do want to emphasize that in the majority of cases, a person or a child cannot trigger a seizure. They cannot stop a seizure. Um, it's just something that, that happens. Um, basically, what it is uh, is, a, is an overfiring of the neurons, the, 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 the connections that are normally there in the brain, the, the communication system, uh, the electronic communication system that is normally um, working and, and keeping everything in check uh, for whatever reason, and again, I say it could be you know a multitude of reasons, um, malfunctions, um, and it becomes overstimulated. Um, the electrical currents, you know, I mean, this is, you know, I'm just trying to simplify this as much as possible. I mean, the electric currents uh, just basically go haywire. The messages are not going where they need to go. Um, and it depends on what area of the brain is affected. In some cases, it's a very small area of the brain. And, and in those cases, for example, we'll have an absence seizure where, you know, we get, uh, like, I, like, a, like I like to say, the, the zoning out type of thing. In other cases, um, this, this electrical storm that takes place in the brain can, can, take the, can take over the entire brain. And that's where we start talking about the grand mal seizures and um, the the stereotypical case of someone falling on the floor on the floor and completely losing all control of uh, you know muscle function and and everything that's related to it um, and then there's everything in between um, and and again I, I wish I had a, a more pat answer but there really isn't a pat answer um, with epilepsy uh, every case is every case really is different which means that every case needs to be treated individually um, and that's why um, it can be extremely misunderstood to the general public because there is not one, oh, this is what epilepsy is, um, mm -hmm. nor is there even this is what a seizure is. Um, and on the on the flip side, it's also what, what creates a lot of the fear that, um, you know, a, a lot of um, parents that have kids that um, are suffering from some form of a seizure certainly can um, bounce ideas and and, um, you know, have communication with other parents who are going through the same type of thing. But every situation is going to be different. Every treatment is going to be different. Um, in most of the cases, every symptom is going to be different. There are certain similarities, but uh, it needs to be treated on a case-by-case -case basis. And that's one of the reasons that um, um, our, Florida, uh, our Florida affiliate is, is trying to work through this program to allow 
parents themselves uh, to, uh, to to uh, to to take greater control in their in their child's care um, and to actually have a greater say in um, how the child is going to be treated. Um, you know what the what the various treatments are. There is no pat answer, and unfortunately, even in the medical profession, um, there are new advances in medication, um, new advances in treatment. Um, we have a situation with our awareness program that one of the the major um, groups of people that we uh, um, try to educate and raise awareness about epilepsy with within is the uh, First responders, meaning even um, you know the the ambulance drivers. Ambulance drivers, for example, were very often we hear stories all the time of coming to someone's house um, when a parent has called because the child is having a seizure. Um, especially if they're a, a teenager, they'll assume immediately that it's a that it's a drug overdose or or oh. um, you know something other than a seizure, and uh, you know um, not only give the wrong treatment, but also um, you know, also create um, legal problems and all kinds of other psychosocial problems uh, for the child. It's the same thing with, with our police officers in that if um, an adult is having an absent seizure and happens to be wandering around the grocery store um, looking like they are completely conscious, but the person has absolutely, you know, no um, uh, understanding of where they are and they're, they're not in control of any kind of their emotions, um, you know, people listen to the drunk or that they're on drugs and call the police, and unfortunately the police um, won't ask themselves, uh, do you think this may be a seizure? Um, they'll just automatically assume that, uh, you know, that the person um, has some other issue. Oftentimes try to restrain them, which um, in many cases will create a reaction with the person having a seizure, um, which is often taken as resisting arrest or that type of thing and the person will find themselves in jail. Um, so what we're trying to do is raise the awareness that we're not saying in every case that it's a seizure. We're really not. But, um, you know, that that is a possibility, and it's a possibility that historically has not been considered. Um, and with the prevalence of epilepsy and seizure disorders, it's something that really people need to take into consideration. Mm, goodness. Agreed. Um, and, and, again, we have a similar issue with autism. Some, they just can't help it. Um and so it's misunderstood as noncompliance or being aggressive or something like that. I've got one. I've got another question for you. This is um, uh, if you could just please restate the symptoms of an absence seizure. Uh, one mom thinks that her son, her child, may have had one yesterday. So if you could just repeat for us what what are the signs of an absence seizure? Absolutely. And again, um, the importance here is that we are looking for patterns. Um, Kids will very often daydream. Kids will very often be, um, you know, off in their own world, and that happens, uh, you know, it happens with adults as well. Um, but what we're looking for is uh, is a kind of pattern. Um, I do have um, some information with absence seizures where there's, it basically is a momentary loss of awareness, um, and it sometimes, but not always, could be accompanied with, um you know, um, unexpected movements in the face or blinking or arm movements or pulling at clothes or, or this type of thing. Um, and it may also happen that even without those symptoms, that it's, a child is um, unaware that they'll, that they'll lose uh, a sense of time and not remember exactly what has happened. Um, there are... Uh, in fact, I, I have actually here, um, right from our foundation, um, a whole listing of some of the things for absence seizures that people should look for. Okay, um, well, I, why don't why don't I do this? I will. Um, you send me the. Uh, do you want to dictate to me the link, and I will do that for her. Um, do, you, do you have a link there, Michael, or should we just send it out a little bit later? I can send that out a little bit later. I don't have the exact page of where that would be. Okay. Um, but, again, you know, kind of what I'm saying is is, is that when we're trying to look for a pattern. Um, obviously, if there's an obvious seizure, um, you know, that involves loss of muscle control, 
Um, that's something that's visual. Um, but some of the other things to look for are um, short attention blackouts. Uh, it may look like daydreaming. And again, we're looking for a pattern. Um, lack of response um, in situations that are, you know, that would require response. Days behavior, unusual sleepiness. Um, and especially as we're talking about the possibility of having seizures when um, when kids are asleep, irritability um, or soreness when waking up from sleep. Um, and again, seizures are not the only possibility, and that you know that can happen to all of us. Um, the other thing to also look for are complaints about sensory um, type of changes, where things look funny or sound funny or taste funny or smell or or just feel funny. Um, that, you know, in ways that are unexplained. And, again, if that's something that, that happens, um, you know, uh, more than once, that would be something to, to bring up with a medical professional. And then there are other more physical symptoms that, you know, if uh, if you notice a child on uh, chewing or grabbing at clothes or smacking of the lips or sudden stomach pains that are followed by confusion and sleeplessness or or any kind of repeated movement um, that are just not natural, um, those those are things to look for. Um, and again, I will say, you know, I don't want to panic anyone. It's, uh, you know, it may or may not be a seizure, but it's certainly something to look into. And the reason is that because in so many cases, seizures are something that are treatable. We don't want to add um, to a child's, uh, you know, we don't want to create problems with the, with the child's development, um, certainly psychosocially, where for something that could actually be treated, that they are left to suffer with the fact that they are not able to pay attention in school or that they, you know, don't feel, um, uh, you know, that they're experiencing life the same way that other people are. Um, you know, if, if any of these situations are, are, are coming up, um, it, it, it Again, one of our catchphrases is it, it could be seizures. It may not be seizures, but it could be seizures, and it's something to look at. Sure. Well, we have about 10 minutes left, and I, what I really love to talk about now is the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida. You guys are you know, somewhat of a thought leader in the community, and can you tell us how the foundation was started and what some of the services it provides? Sure. Um, we actually started, the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida started in 1971. Um, it is uh, the only affiliate of the National Epilepsy Foundation, um, which is based out of Washington, D.C. And the way that we're set up, unlike perhaps some of the other charities, is that the National Foundation would tend to concentrate on some of the larger issues, meaning the research issues, uh, meaning governmental relations, um, awareness on a, on a government level, while the local affiliates, including the um, Epilepsy Foundation of Florida, um, provide services to those living with epilepsy. And those services are um, wide and diverse, given, our, given the population. Epilepsy Foundation of Florida is actually one of the lucky affiliates in that the state of Florida does fund um, or provides funding for direct medical services, meaning that those that are uninsured um, or those that uh, do not have the financial means to uh, to see the medical professionals and to actually treat their seizures and their epilepsy um, can come to the foundation, and we offer free clinics. We offer um, uh, access to neurologists, to epileptologists, and to all the diagnostic testing that they need. And again, um, given the fact that in the majority of cases with treatment, um, seizures can be controlled, um, this is not only a life-changing um, service that we offer to our clients, it also is something that makes economic sense. And I, certainly as the Director of Development, like to always point out that um, if epilepsy is untreated, um, and now we're talking more in adults than we are in, in children, um, a lot of times uh, the emergency room will be used as their sole treatment um, um, avenue. 
And that doesn't really provide any kind of treatment. It means that um, a person will find themselves after a seizure in in an emergency room. They'll be given one or two days' worth of medication and basically sent on their way only to reappear in the emergency room, um, you know, a day or a month or a year later when they have their next next seizure. And uh, they're not receiving the treatment that that, that they um, need to be able to re-enter the workforce, or in the case of children or young adults, um, continue their education. Um, a lot of times, people with epilepsy, and again, this goes back to the fear and and the unwillingness of people to actually discuss or you know even admit um, to having the condition. A lot of times, people will lose their driver's license or will not have the ability to drive mm-hmm. uh, because of the seizures. Um, so, all, so the treatment again is, I mean, it's just extremely important. So we, we do provide that treatment. In, in addition, uh, we have a program where we send kids um, with epilepsy to uh, a special summer camp that is created specifically for them. Um, there's a, um, a two-camper to one-staff ratio of which um, many of them are medical professionals um, volunteering their time who have experience with seizures, and it just basically allows them to be kids, and and as I'm sure many of your listeners know, allows the parents a bit of rest um, from having to, uh, you know, continually um, care with with, with some of their children. We also offer family weekends because, as you probably know, um, a lot of times the siblings of kids with disabilities, including epilepsy, um, will feel left out or feel like uh, they're being neglected uh, because of the... uh, a child that um, has a special needs. Uh, we offer support groups. We offer a lot of prevention and education programs that range from teaching school nurses how to deal um, with children um, that have epilepsy, how to identify epilepsy, um, but also to overcome their fear. We've had many cases where uh, I can think of one case in particular where um, one school district required um, a child with epilepsy to come with their own private nurse every single day to the school um, if they were going to be allowed to come to the public school because of the fear um, that the teacher had of the child having a seizure. Um, so these are the type of things that we're trying to overcome. We also um, are working on legislation issues, uh, particularly generic medication. In many cases and in many conditions, generic medication is absolutely wonderful and very effective. Um, because of the absolute precise nature of medication um, levels that is needed to stop seizures. In many cases, uh, generic epilepsy medications do not um, serve the needs of patients, and um, we're trying to fight the case where people will be given generic medications without their knowledge, um, which in, unfortunately, several cases, um, in the state of Florida have led to led to death um, from a mere switching from a, a brand name to a generic or vice versa, um, you know, without without their knowledge. So mm-hmm. we have many, many programs that, that are going on, and I just wish that um, people in the epilepsy community would be more willing to come out and to discuss the issue and uh, to help us get the word out there to the general public that, you know, epilepsy is, is a condition. It's not a disease. It's not communicable. Um, you're, you're not going to catch epilepsy. Um, it's maybe scary to look at in some cases, um, but the person that is having the seizures, um, they're not their seizures. Um, it's a condition that they have, mm-hmm. um, and it's something that they need to understand, and it's something that employers need to understand, and it's something that... Uh, we need to come to terms with and we need to get away from the history. Unfortunately, you know, in many cases that said, uh, you know, someone who has seizures is, uh, you know, uh, devil-possessed or, you know, I mean, just oh, the yeah. bizarre thinkings that are out there. Yes, I, I absolutely agree with you. All right, one more time, Michael. Um, everybody, you're asking how you can help please go to the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida, and that is, Michael, help me out again, www.epilepsyfla.org, and click on Vote Now. 
Um, the foundation has already received $25,000 as a um, runner-up in the Chase Community Giving um, grant, um, and they're up f- as a finalist for half a million dollars. And after li- listening to Michael tonight, I think we need to show our support for our, our friends and our moms in arms and um, get out the vote so that they can continue to do their good work. So go, Michael, and go up to Alepsi Foundation of Florida and Chase. You give them that money right now. <laughs> so we'll Exactly. Well, we've got two hours. We'll see what happens. And, and I really do appreciate this opportunity. Um, uh, you know, there, there are many conditions that are out there, and, you know, we're all in, you know, kind of the same boat together, and I, I really do um, appreciate the work that uh, parents of kids with autism, um, that the breast cancer community, you know, it, it is possible to change the awareness and to, to, to you know, dispel these misunderstandings that are out there. And that's something that um, we're trying to do with the epilepsy community as well, especially given the fact that it is extremely prevalent. And, uh, you know, people are just afraid to talk about it. Yeah, well, thank you very, very much. And, and we know what you're up against, you know, those of us who um, – are trying to remove the R word for those of us who are trying to generate awareness, but more importantly, understanding for individuals with autism. So we we support you, and um, it's, our time is about up. And I'm, again, I'm sorry we got started a little late, but on behalf of Chuck and I and Marianne, who couldn't be with us tonight, we we just wanted to say thank you, Michael, and thank you to our entire audience and. In the words of Marianne, you are your child's best advocate. If not you, then whom? And we will see you again on Sunday night, on Wednesday night uh, for another terrific guest. But, again, thank you, Michael, and everyone have a nice evening. And don't forget to thank vote. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Good night. Don't forget to vote. <laughs> Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.